We are the agent rainmaker community. We are a group of letting agents that have got together and said, you know what? We're not going to do it like we've always done it. We're going to do things differently. It was the most amazing experience. It was the best thing that we could have done. The little community that's been created, and it's amazing. You don't get that anywhere else. I think she's the patron saint of letting agents. Without her encouragement, I would never have done this. That is Agent Rainmaker. We see things differently. We see opportunities, not obstacles. So, Nathan, we are live. Um, so, good afternoon. Hello, everyone, and welcome. It is my absolute honor to welcome Nathan Emerson to the Expert Business Masterclass today on this uh, rather chilly uh, Tuesday afternoon. Um, Nathan, welcome, and uh, thank you for being here. Welcome. My pleasure. Maybe you could tell us just a little bit about who Nathan is while I just share these across all of our platforms so everyone can uh, can enjoy us today. Do, we, do any of us know ourselves? Um, <laughs> so profound for an opener. We'll start it in the right vein. Um, uh, property, property, property. There you go. So uh, state agency born and bred. It's everything I've done from the year dot onwards. Um, and yeah, and I think uh, having gone right the way through the industry um, and worked across multiple different departments, multiple different uh, disciplines, um, emerged out the other end into a into a into a consultancy role. So tell me uh, this, because you say you've always been in property, and I found that this is kind of the people like yourself and myself, and we've known each other in the industry for some time now through various different companies and events and and you know that kind of thing but all the people i would say within our kind of i suppose i don't know generation of, of property industry have really never done anything else and always been in property did you growing up in school think i know i'm going to be an estate agent when i grow up oh i think that's the obvious answer no <laughs> does anyone <laughs> <laughs> It's like falling into a spider's trap. You fall into it, <laughs> so then you don't get back out. Um, and I think having fallen into the trap, I fell in love with the industry, as we all do, otherwise we wouldn't be here. Um, it's probably one of the most diverse working places and environments out there, really. We, we, we get to engage with, with the public in, in, a, in a probably at some of the most um, difficult, exciting uh, times of their lives. Um, we get to influence people's direction of travel um, and at the end of the day we, we get such a variety um, that it actually teaches you core skills which there are very few industries if you've been really good in this industry there are very few people industries you can't go into where you can make a major impression and I think for those that have advanced further into the business and actually done the back end of the business um, again you, you end up in a situation um, that you can pretty easily merge into any other sphere that's out there with, with a degree of confidence, which which I think is, is unrivaled from many other professions. So I think it's a great training ground. It's a really good point, actually, because the property industry does give you on so many levels of interpersonal skills, face-to-face -face skills, tech, a lot of tech now, computer skills, negotiation, money. I mean, just the endless, really, isn't it? Um, but it's funny you say, because a lot of people fall into it, don't they, almost by accident or as a first job I mean for me I I, uh, I had a boyfriend one of my first boyfriends was an estate agent a couple of years older than me and he drove a great car and he always had phone and keys and you know we're off in a suit every morning and I sort of thought oh, that's 
quite nice, isn't it? So I decided I'd have, I'd have a go at being an estate agent. You know, Twenty years later, it's still in the industry. But I mean, it's like I don't think anyone wakes up and goes, "Yeah, I know I'm going to grow up and be in property." But it's almost something like once you're in, you you're in, aren't you? You're badge for life, kind of thing. Like a drug, isn't it? A good drug. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your story and your background. Where did it all start for you and yeah. life? 17, 18 years old, um, uh, 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 quite fortuitously, I think so, early 90s, uh, all the people out there probably remember that, that environment, um, and, and equally into a company which, whilst at the time I joined it was quite small, was, was, was already starting to generate phenomenal activity, and uh, I was very fortunate through the entire growth to actually be a part of that journey, um, having seen the successes and, and, and felt the pains of, of the failures. Um, and I think equally, I was, I was very fortunate from a grounding point of view. You know, it, it was a full multi-practice agency. So it was sales, it was lettings, it was commercial, it was agricultural, it was auctioneering, wow. um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the list goes on forever. RICS surveys, financial services, you know. And, and when you've got that, kind of environment to work in you you pick up a number of core skills which are interchangeable but actually if people are in environments where maybe they've only had experience of just sales or just lettings or just uh, you know it gives you an oversight which which can be utilized to your, your advantage and to their advantage it's funny really because that's almost more of a modern um you know in the last sort of 10 years i would say that that started to happen more in agency isn't it i mean certainly i remember when i started it was like you you worked in the business and that whatever that brought along whether you were lettings or sales or this or that whereas now it's very much you you're in you you know a lettings negotiator or you're a lister or you're this or that and the other why do you think that's happened and do you think that's a good thing um do i think it's a good thing i think i think a lot of the structures that we have today are are actually um have have developed over a period of time through ex you know legislational uh, you know i mean let's be honest let's look at lettings the good old days it was you know here's a bit of paper sign that here's your keys off you go um you know that that has changed and because of the um the volume of scope that's involved in things now i think it's become so time um uh, it's you know so time rich and say that the demands of time that people have naturally end up specializing and, and there's also a lot of the management books that are out there the management schools they teach people specialize in something become an expert at something um you know jack of all trades master of, of of none but actually um sometimes to have the ability to to flip um, actually gives you um much much more capability um, and actually gives you more confidence in what you're doing as well because you've got a sounder foundational base so it's not that I'm not for people specializing absolutely but what I do think that, that is very very apparent is um, there is a, a marked difference between people that have had a broader industry background um, and then chosen to go into a specialist discipline than there are people that, that have gone straight into a specialist discipline because once they're outside of that environment then they do struggle and the problem we have is most of our clients and customers are not just a landlord i might also have commercial property i might have residential and, and so you have to be able to converse just like the more languages you can speak um the more able you are to communicate and gain business and so yes you can be the best person at doing a certain function but if you haven't if you don't have a grasp of reality in the other areas it's very difficult for you to maximize the business opportunities which ultimately we're there to do 
I think this is one of the, the main reasons that um, sort of um, promoting people in, within, a, within the, the, our industry, they struggle because we, we so pigeonhole people so much that a, a great lister, you know, whose only really main function and main drive and target and all of that kind of thing is to be a good salesperson, essentially, and obviously, you know, get properties on and all that kind of thing is, is quite often seen as the most valuable staff member in an office for the obvious reasons and thus is promoted quite often to the branch manager. Now, this does not necessarily make a good manager. Sometimes, mostly actually salespeople are horrific managers because they, they you know, everything's amazing and all that, you know, and it's, it's just not great. And I think in our industry, we've struggled with that because just because people are money makers doesn't mean that they're necessarily people makers. Um, and I think that's been the downfall slightly actually in the last 10 years or so. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think again, a lot of that does stretch back to hierarchical um, environments. And, you know, some of the most successful companies out there, and I work with an awful lot, some of them will actually have negotiators that will earn as much as a branch manager, purely for the fact that they realise that is somebody's core skill set and they enjoy it. Um, you know, and very often you can move somebody out of one role and, and, you know, there are countless people probably listening to this who are great negotiators, great valuers, maybe moved into a management position and actually they're sat there riding a desk thinking, I just want to get out on the open road, you know, and, and, and their job satisfaction level is certainly not the one that it was. Um, and equally, there are people out there on the road at the moment that actually would be much more um, conducive within within a fixed office environment. And, uh, and sometimes identifying those traits in people, they don't even see it themselves. And, and sometimes you've got to be big enough and say, you know, actually, if that guy is a great lister and he's going to put me on 15 or 20 percent more than anybody else out there, I'm better off getting that guy to operate 110 percent on the road and paying more money to deliver for me because the return on that person will be exponentially greater um, than sticking him in an office, making him manage if, if he's a knight of the road. But equally, what I would say is with any job, the sooner you start doing it, the more chance you have to develop into it. And a lot of it comes down to confidence and maturity. And I think different jobs you are capable of doing effectively to better levels at different stages in, in, in your life. Um, and so actually to become a good manager, you know, you'll hear these stats said, people will often take five to seven years to actually become a good manager. And actually the only time you become a good manager is when you manage yourself out of the job. So, you know, <laughs> we hear these things all along. And, and, and I think our, our industry um, maybe, um, you know, might have some correction to, to, to look at that. We are becoming much more automated. Um, and that's something which you, you do see day in, day out. And actually that's, also, I think most buyers and most sellers are becoming uh, uh, automated as well. So what actually then happens is once you fall outside that gray area, I mean, it's like trying to ring Vodafone. You know, if you've got a problem with your phone that, that fits in the set preset questions, brilliant. The minute you've got something that's outside of that box or you can't get into your emails or you can't get to your phone to get the text message to authorize the guy to speak to you, then we need a reality check. And, um, you know, I think with what we're dealing with, you need that reality check. You need the best people doing the best jobs but you should support them in progression and not necessarily just throw them into a role, build the platform, build the foundation, and then move them into that role when they're prepared for it, rather than throw them into a role when they're not prepared for it, because it's like sending troops into battle untrained, they're more likely to fail. They might get a lucky win, and sometimes that's the worst. You've got somebody in a role and things develop very well for them, not out of skill, but out of pure luck. Yeah. The problem is, 
when the SH hits the fan, that they're the people that will buckle, but they'll often be the people that everybody else is looking to for support. So, you know, I think- Well, this year, I think we've probably seen an awful lot of that, not just in the, the property industry, but, but across, you know, all of the, you know, so many countries within globally, I think, really. I mean, it's been a really interesting year for that. Um, I'd be really interested to know what your take on, you know, with having dealing with the people that you deal with in the customers and obviously yourself as well. How, how are people faring in, you know, in terms of this situation? Because I think the temptation was to follow everyone, panic, you know, and then, you know, we've got business owners running businesses, you know, single-handedly just, just to save, you know, I mean, it's been really, really interesting. I mean, we've talked an awful lot on, on our podcast and on our Facebook lives and, and everything about that throughout this, this year. And I think we'd be foolish not to, to mention it, but I'd be really interested to have your take, um, take on that, Nathan. So if we take where we are today, I think that's fairly straightforward. I think, I think, you know, and I'm, I'm probably like you, I, I had a million phone calls and a million podcasts to do and one-to-one -one sessions. Uh, the main thing in these environments is the person that can keep a, a calm head, um, you know, and, and probably most of my time wasn't actually about putting structure. It was actually calming people down and, and, and getting them to a level where they could make the right decisions. I mean, listen, everybody muddles through, we all do, um, but it's how well you muddle through. And I think when you look back to the environment that we went in, I think a lot of people had a lot of very different experiences. Some people furloughed too many staff and they regretted that. Some people furloughed staff, forgot to get them to take their holidays, so and now they're feeling the ramifications of that. And, you know, some people let staff go and they wish they hadn't. Everybody's had a different experience. Um, and the important thing with all of these things is that you learn from it. Um, and I mean, I remember when we went through the last crash, I used to keep daily diaries of decisions that were made um, and the reasons why they were made and you know you know we, we came into this environment different environment but you still had an instant panic that needed doing and for me to be able to pick those up actually go through those and reread that I thought well I remember that how and fascinating actually, what did you pick out of those can you can you think of anything specifically that you uh... think what I, I would call my reverse view was quite interesting decisions made and then actually looking back at a wide made those decisions at the time, but also because they they seemed the logical decision to make. But actually, in hindsight, when you look back, you actually realise that some of the things that certainly I'd made and decisions I'd made at that time were a false economy. Um, uh, and and one of the biggest areas that helped me do is certainly when I was talking to clients and things like that, and, and, and groups of people and, and webinars, was actually be able to turn around to people and say, look, calm down, don't panic. Your natural reaction is to do this but you might want to think about doing this instead. These are the outcomes that could come from this. Um, and things like that actually are not always things that you might think of logically. They actually come down to, to being able to have that reverse view from experience. And, and, you know, I can guarantee to you now, one of the biggest things I said to most people is, listen, we're going into this process. Make sure you make notes of what decisions you make and why you make them. I guarantee 90% of the people that sat on those courses will never, ever have done that. Um, because it's fresh in their minds today. But actually, I would still say the last crash is fresh in my mind. It wasn't until <laughs> I started reading it, I thought, oh, my oh, forgot about that. Oh, forgot about that. Um, and, and they say hindsight is a wonderful gift. Actually, hindsight is, is probably one of the best lessons that, that, that can be there. History is a great lesson. We're all living within our history. Um, it's whether we actually learn those lessons, because sometimes if you didn't capitalise on those lessons, you make the same mistake twice. 
what um, advice would you have then for people coming because i'd like to think we're kind of coming out of it now we're kind of, i mean i know we're still in a national lockdown as we speak today but there is appears to be hope on the horizon i mean we were just chatting before we came live about the potential of physical events next year and actually seeing each other at some sort of conference or something like that which you know and i, I think that's naturally you know the human brain we need to we need to have hope and we need to think but i think sensibly I think we are coming out the, the other end of it um but what advice would you having had your hindsight and and you know the the you've obviously planned and you're obviously your role is you you advise and you help um you know people just like we do what advice would you give to to well the business world as it were now uh, you know still kind of in an uncertain territory but certainly heading in the right direction I think let's look at next year. I mean, you know, if you come on to next year, I mean, next year actually is a boiling pot of, of, of brilliance in, in one respect. You know, yes, we've got Brexit. Yes, we've got the fallout of COVID. Yes, we're going to have interest rate things. Yes, we're going to have financial issues as all of that starts to come in. We're going to have tax issues to do. There's going to be a whole melting pot there. And, um, you know, somebody asked me a very similar question the other day. And I think the answer I came up to when they said, where do you see things next year? Uh, and what's the best way to deal with it? And for some reason, all I kept thinking was, do you remember the old Rocky movies, Rocky Yeah. 3? In Rocky Three, you had B.A. Baracus, who was Mr. T at the A-team, and he was playing a guy called Clubber Lang. And Clubber Lang's training hard, and he, he's training to, to, to fight Rocky. And um, one of the presenters uh, interviewing him says, uh, so what's your predictions for the fight, Clubber? Uh, and he turned to the camera and he said, pain. <laughs> and... And yet you get to the fight. And so Clubber Lang's there and he, he's very determined he's going to win. And we've got the fight and, and Rocky's in the fight and Rocky's trying a different style. He's changed his style. And he's, he, you know, he's fighting like Apollo Creed. Um, and, and ultimately he defaults back into his, to his natural rhythms, which is what a lot of us do. We try and change. We don't change. We, we, we are what we are. It's understanding how to manage that. And in the fight, Rocky Balboa is getting punched by Clubber Lang harder and harder and harder. And then suddenly he stands up and says, ain't so bad, ain't so bad. And then the tide changes. And I think for me, the lesson learned, with, and that, the reason that came into my mind was, was actually a lesson on attitude. Um, and so I think you can have the same scenario and you can have two different viewpoints. You can have the viewpoint where you're saying, right, I'm, you know, it's going to be hard, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to fight my way through it. You've got the other side of it where you're going into it fairly non-plus, but then actually things aren't as bad as you're panicking that they would be. Um, and I think that for me is 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 probably very reminiscent of, of oh, no, not very reminiscent, that's the wrong word, that's nice. say, but that, that is probably very indicative of next year. Next year will either be hard or it won't be as bad as you think it's going to be, dependent on your attitude and how you use time. Let's be honest, we sell time. That's what we sell. You know, we can dress it up however we want. The reality is we're selling time and it's what we do with our time that's important. There will be people that are starting to slow down. They'll all be busy because of obviously what's going on. We've got the rush for, for stamp duty going on. We've got, you know, every tenant under the sun using every opportunity they can do to, to, to cheat the system every which way. So we're all busy in different ways. But the reality is that slower period, there will be a slower period before we and how you use that period will dictate what happens to you and your business next year. And those that actually become busier planning now will probably be the people that would be better prepared. And that's something I'm making a lot of people do now is 
I'm even telling people stop taking incoming at the minute, get your foundations right, get your structure right. So next year, you're actually the guy that comes out the starting blocks fairly early. Early bird catches the worm. And let's be honest, if things do turn tougher, the harder you work, the more likelihood you are to have a successful year. You know, you know, we've all adapted. This industry is so resilient. You know, we've adapted better than most to, to COVID because of the types of people we are, but we can thrive. You know, there are lots of challenges next year, but I'm very excited because for every challenge, I see opportunities for success. Um, is whether people learn and know how to capitalise on those really. It's a great analogy. I, I love those movies, and it is a really great analogy. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one and use that because I think one of the the things that um, stuck out for me there was the fact that um, the part where you said you know he reverted to type back to what he was normally doing back to pattern because we do that and I think it's been really interesting this year to watch our industry do that because we obviously went into this pandemic it was you know oh my god and as you say the type of people we are right that's it crisis management you know we're British estate agents that's what we do right and we went in and it's been amazing and I think the 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 you know, the way we've evolved and technology. And finally, I feel like prop tech is actually caught up in this industry to the level that it should be because we are way behind the rest of the world in that. And that's been incredible. I'll tell you what though, came June time and we were released back into the world and our market opened once more. And I watched as agent after agent went back to what was comfortable and what felt normal. And I, it totally understandable because we all want to crave what's normal and feel like we've got our normal lives back again. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go and have a meal in a restaurant or a drink in a pub or, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. But we automatically reverted to type because it's what felt good and comfortable and what we knew. And it's a shame because we did so much progress in such a short amount of time to then go back to what was comfortable, to then be shocked when we then had to do those same changes again a few weeks ago when we were put back into lockdown. And I'm not talking about everyone, I'm generalizing slightly here, but I just think it's like you say, the, the ones who are gonna win and the champions and the ones that are gonna come out ahead are, are the ones that have embraced that change and, and continue into the new the new world with it, right? Yeah, and I think, I think Let's be honest. I mean, we, we we laugh, we joke before we came online, and you know, you know, first thing we wanted to get back out to industry events because the reason we wanted to get back out to industry events is we identified that listen, we're making relationships over Zoom now, which on a functionary level work, but they're never the same as as one to one interactions. Um, and and certainly for for most of us, that's how we 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 formulate. Um, you know, on Zoom, if people don't like the outcome of a conversation, they can press end, you know. So so it's a different type of environment that we're entering into. Um, I mean, I'm all about incremental change. I don't think you can make mass changes. You know, it's like going on yo-yo dieting. You can do it for five minutes, but you won't. Actually, you're, you're better off making incremental changes. And if people just pick up 10% of the lessons that are learned here, um, then, then, then they will be the richer for it. Um, but I wouldn't just say 10% of the lessons that they've learned but also probably the realization of what else they could have done better um you know i mean uh, you know a lot of people go on about what's your biggest success what's your this that and the other actually for me the biggest successes were actually the failures because you know when you have a success and something happens and you have a great result out of it sometimes you don't know why that happened but more importantly it necessarily wasn't what you did that made that success actually the most valuable 
commodity is, is, is the understanding of failure um, and, and actually understanding how to unpick that because that actually helps you, um, you know, uh, deal with that sort of situation, other situations in, in the future. So, um, so your, yourself this year, Nathan, what have you taken from what you've just said? What have you learned or what have you done that's not great that you've worked out or something that you've changed or implemented or, or learned from or moving forward something from something that that you've kind of because we're all we're all you know fallible in that way we're all always learning and all that kind of thing aren't we we are um i'll give you a profound one there you go here we go oh, my okay. um i think probably the area i would probably challenge myself on and actually if anything it's galvanized me even further was was actually watching somebody I know watch their business fail and their livelihood go. And the reality is, hand on heart, I know I could have stepped in and I could have helped them do it. Um, but at the time I was focusing on, probably like a lot of people really, you know, dealing with, with the COVID thing, helping other people deal with that. And uh, I watched somebody's business fail um, and in hindsight, I could have done something about that. So I think for me, that's galvanized me in another way, really, um, because I think sometimes you look at people that sometimes cry for help and the people that cry for help aren't always the people that need help. They're the people often that want the attention or they just want to be front of the queue. So they shout louder to get to the front of the queue. And sometimes when you're dealing with that person at the front of the queue, you overlook the person at the back of the queue, the quiet one the quiet one that's too scared or not proud enough to put their hand up. Um, so no, that's it for now. So, so, oh. so I think from my point of view, it's actually more a case of you know, actually looking past the noise um, and understanding. And that's exactly the same in nearly every single state agency team, letting agency team that's out there. You know, sometimes the ones that are shouting the loudest mm. and appear to need the most help very often aren't. Um, sometimes it's the ones you don't think that need the help that are putting a face on it and holding it together um, and they're the people that actually you need to to spend that time with. I think that's been the biggest trend thank you for, for sharing that um, I think that's been the biggest impact in in my opinion of of this year is, is the mental health aspect on so many levels for 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 people and for business owners and, and I think you know for people who you know who are survivors and who've done well or who are you know because you said that you know have had you work with some people who are doing better than they've ever had and had their best year ever. But even being in that position, you know, it's been a, it's been quite a selfish year, I think, for many people because you have had to, you know, family comes first and close in and kind of look after your own, which has takes a toll on 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 you as a, as a person, as an individual, and mental health levels. And I know there's a lot of people suffering, you know, for so many different reasons. Um, and I think business owners, and I'm sure you can you know understand this the pressure of a business owner has been hard because you're not only responsible for your own livelihood and 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 that of the of the business but also the employees that you keep you know their families and their livelihood for us in the industry our clients you know um tenant i mean it, it's the weight of responsibility has always has hit people this year uh, and it's just been huge i think it has and i think equally when you have distortions um in your natural environment you can tend to overreact i mean it might sound strange but some of the some of the most proactive conversations i've actually had to do um, have actually been where 
business owners have felt that mantle of responsibility um, and they've sometimes allowed that mantle of responsibility to affect their decision making process um, and actually some of the conversations I've actually been having have been more forthright conversations where I've had to sometimes just put a counterbalance and a reality check in there you know and that's something a lot of people will shy away from um, I've never been afraid of any you know of having the conversations when they need to be made um, because you're there for, for the greater good, you know, and if, if, if you know, if you're, if you're like, you've done the same with your clients, but when, you, when you've got people out there, sometimes they're making decisions based on their view of the world. Um, and it's almost like when you're doing a jigsaw and there's a, a couple of pieces missing and you can't work out how to put the pieces together and you can't see the patterns, somebody else just walks in the room and they can see it straight away, you can't see for looking. Um, and sometimes you've got to have somebody to pull you back to take you away from that puzzle for 20 minutes to let you refocus and come back into it. And I, and I think, you know, I think um, those of us that, that are in that position have have the responsibility as well as cheering when things go well. Sometimes putting your arm around somebody is not the answer that they need. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, they do need that support, but sometimes they need a bit of tough love as well. And, and you know, we're all there to do the very best we can do for, for people. Um, and, and, and those business owners are under a lot of pressure. They have a lot of responsibility. A lot of people are looking at them and they will have given a lot of staff a lot of loyalty, which sometimes they feel is not reciprocated because all of a sudden Chappie runs off down the road to another job somewhere else. And, 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 and you know, <laughs> I'm sure there's a thousand stories of people thinking I've had exactly the same happen to me. So, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, interesting yeah. environment we're in. Just flipping on its head slightly, um, you obviously are an avid board member of Property Mark, um, and I believe you're still. You've got how many years now? Is that how long? Have you... Too right. many, right? Too many. I think about three, three years. Think on the okay. Um, just I wanted to get a real take. We had uh, we had obviously David Cox on here a few weeks ago, um, who is now obviously over at Right Move and all that. Absolutely. Just kind of an in industry take on what's happening or what the vibe is or what the future looks like, if you can. I don't know how much you're allowed to yeah, to uh, share, really. Uh, what does the future look like? That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think. How does the future? So I think if you look at where things are from an organisation point of view. I think there's been a lot of resilience. I think we've been amazed at the resilience uh, of members and of the industry as a whole. I have to be brutally honest with you. Um, you know, we, you know, new members and memberships held up very well indeed. Um, you know, I'm sure just like you've seen courses and events have had to go through a completely different overhaul uh, and yet people are still engaging in a different way. Um, you know, obviously I do the Inspire sessions and, um, you know, I think some of your clients also, you know, and, and we've had to take that from a physical environment into a virtual environment. We went back to a physical environment, we're back to a virtual environment. Um, and, um, you know, but but yet the main thing is it's the willingness to continue and, and are the experiences the way that we would ideally want them. Um, I'm sure if you ask the Esters or you ask Peter Knight or you ask anybody who's running these big virtual events at the moment, there's a lot of thought and effort going into them. Is it the same as clinking a glass of, you know, wine, fizzy, champagne, whatever in, in an auditorium? Oh, it's never champagne at those things, Nathan. Let's not, let's I not. Know, I don't have water. Uh, <laughs> everybody um <laughs> so so yeah I, I think i think one thing that I, I, the other thing that's come out of it is brilliant is is the attitude to learn um i think people wanting to take uh, qualifications and um, we've seen a massive surge on that 
Um, and actually a lot from business owners looking at level four qualifications and things like that. Obviously Roper, I'm sure that'll come into the conversation somewhere. The argument is, is that gonna happen fairly soon? Is it gonna get kicked in the long grass? I think that will come down to government priorities and and, and, and whether they need some headline winning grabs or, or, or anything like that. So, um, you know, the, the argument on Roper could be there, but I think what's interesting is people as an industry are utilizing that time to to improve themselves or at least start the journey and if you don't start the journey you know you'll never get to the other end of it so one one step's better than no step so um you know i'm optimistic on that side um i think to say from a legislational point of view where will things be i don't think any of us really know everybody poses suppositions brings these things into 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 conversation until things emerge in a more concrete fashion i think all you can do is is just keep planning and working along the direction of travel really mm. and your view on the the evictions uh debacle i have to call it that at the moment because it's yeah. obviously it, it it's tough on us i think that's probably been the toughest part really for the I, agents recently two big humps that the industry has to deal with from a sales point of view it's it's the stamp duty on salt mm -hmm. um and the the, the the natural imbalance on that side of things. I think from the evictions point of view, I think that is a, um, a very, very sensitive area. I mean, ironically, I, I, I too, I'm suffering even personally, not just professionally from it, um, you know, and, and, and let's be honest, there are, there are two different types of tenants. There are, there are genuine tenants and there are what I would call professional tenants. And, and, and they very often will know the law and the legislation better than uh, a lot of letting agents. They're very well informed. And some of those contingents of people will will have genuine issues that they they are going through, which do require support. And let's be honest, nobody wants to be homeless at Christmas. Of course, and absolutely. The other side of the fence, I think there is always and there always is in, in, in reality that contingent that, that will take advantage of a situation. And I think as 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 letting agents and, 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 and rental agents we're there as the custodians to, to try and manage that process and to actually um, keep a degree of fairness there and, and obviously act for our, our landlords because they get missed out the picture. And very often they might be people who are on furlough. They may be people made on, you know, uh, you know, redundant from a lot of portfolios that I get involved in advising on the sales and purchases of and acquisitions, you know, standard questions that come out how many you know how many landlords have you got with multiple properties in excess of five to ten whatever let's be honest most landlords are incidental landlords you know a little bit of a pension fund all the rest of it so some of those people yeah. do not have the resources to pay the mortgage to let the tenant sit in there not paying yeah. any rent for a period of yeah time. i mean looking down the barrel of 17 months worth of rent arrears that kind of thing i mean that's how is that i'm not right. even quite sure what the answer is what what are these people supposed to do when you say that let's be honest even when you get full processes underway and there's going to be a massive backlog, and yeah. you're still going to get the situation where the soft story will come on. You're still going to end up with a further two or three months delay. Local authorities are going to be under pressure. There'll be people that weren't pregnant who definitely got themselves pregnant. You know, there's separations. It's all there. So when I joked about the pain of the industry next year in my Rocky Balboa bit, let's be honest with you, our, our industry has an awful lot to work through and we're back to selling time it's what are you doing with your time at the moment because all of the nasty problems are on hold all of our time is dealt with churning effectively we're processing we're taking on new business we're having great results it's all front loaded um, 
the proportionality of time in the back end cannot be 90% new business, 10% processing. There will be a natural swing, whether it's the second quarter or the third quarter or even the fourth quarter, that, that barometer will swing. The mindful business owner will start to put those in there. And I'm a great believer of, of capacity. You know, create capacity, you'll fill it, um, rather than oversupply, under-deliver, and then end up falling off a plate you know, backfilling with staff that are ill-trained. So so if I was sat in a, in a position like a lot of business owners at the moment, I wouldn't be sat looking at the money I've got in the bank and I wouldn't be looking at the pipeline I've got going through at the moment. I would be starting to look at my business because the first, this you know, till the end of this year and even probably the first quarter of next year is pretty well there. I would be looking myself at where am I for month six onwards? Where's my where's my ripple going to be and at what stage do I need to bring capacity into the system because I don't want to take away from the front line yeah you know and if I'm clever about it I can probably create that capacity um to at least enable to minimize the damage on my business but equally still be able to deliver to landlord because if you've got a landlord that's not getting any money and then you don't give him a service at the other end let me be honest with you he's not blaming you at the minute because he knows that's not your fault the law is the law once you get away from the law, it's very quickly your fault. And if you haven't got the capacity, then you're going to lose that client that you've been keeping happy with for the last 17 months. And that's um, the worrying thing about the extension of furlough and stuff for me was that it, it just sort of put that off for another, you know, four or five months. Um, whereas, you know, it's, it's quite hard to get staff back into offices, get them indoctrinated into new ways of doing things because things have changed. And it really was changing so quickly, wasn't it, during the first lockdown that, you know, systems and processes changed overnight. And, you know, it was retraining of staff and getting them back in the office and getting them onto the new system to then get them all off again. So then again, it's going to have to happen. And the temptation is obviously to take that, you know, assistance and all that and ride, ride out the storm. But it's like you say, all we're doing is pushing back the quarters of next year in terms of sort of moving forward again, because it is going to end and we are going to you know, have to, as you say, look at the, you know, middle to the end of next year and how does that look like? And you're right, you know, when the government, the law and corona isn't there to kind of pad the, you know, issues and complaints and lack of service and this, that and the other, it, it's really going to land hard if we're not careful. Absolutely right. Mm. Absolutely. So we mentioned Roper very sort of quickly there, you brushed over it. Thoughts on Roper and what people need to be doing or could be doing or kind of helping themselves? Because it's like you say, again, it's one of those things that, yeah, at the moment, it's not priority, it's not top priority and all that, but it, it's very quickly gonna turn around and be something that people need to be ready for. So what's your advice for people out there doing that at the moment? Uh, very simple. Um, so I'd probably put it like a set of stairs, okay? You're still at the bottom of the stair at the moment and all of a sudden what happens is with all of these things, you know, the, the distance seems a long way away and it doesn't matter whether it's in six months, 12 months or five years, it's irrelevant. When you're at your day-to-day -day job, time flies. We can all, you know, if I say three years ago to you, you'll go, oh, that went, you know, it did, three years. So time flies very, very quickly. And if you're on the bottom step, it's very hard to jump to the 13th step, they usually 13 steps. It's very hard to jump, for everybody counts stairs. It's very hard to jump to the top of the steps very, very quickly. And especially when you've got a day-to-day -day business, you've got staff and even the staff working in the business, they're being it's like somebody hanging onto your belt. 
you can't get from stair one to stair 13, especially when you're carrying weight. What you can do is get from stair one to stair two, stair two to stair three. And while you've got pressure, it doesn't matter if you take little steps. It doesn't make if you if you take two steps in one go. It's your choice to do that, depending on how strong you're feeling and how, how, how energetic you're feeling. Um, so any lessons learned are beneficial. No different than we talked earlier on where we learned from failures and we, we, we you know, and, and, and we learned how to turn those into successes. That's no different with, with, with education. Um, if you decide you want to do it, and you don't have to decide you want to do it. And there's a lot of people in the industry, which, you know, I'm probably an old humbug as well, you know, let, oh, I've been doing it so long. Um, if we want that piece of paper and we want that license or whatever, we're going to have to go up that staircase. And if you decide you're ready to start that journey, take one step and then take another step um, because it becomes a lot easier. And let's be honest, even if they bring out a whole new raft of qualifications and they change their mind and level four is not what business owners need and level three isn't what everybody else needs, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it doesn't really matter because they can only ask the same questions in a different way because they're dealing with root core knowledge. You know, we're not going to be talking about how many moons there are on Saturn. We're going to be talking about lettings legislation. You know, we're going to be talking about sales legislation and we're going to talk about auctioneering legislation and kind of bounce my lots off a room. It doesn't matter. You know, you can only, you've only got the core content. It's how they ask the questions that changes, not the core content. That's a really good answer. Thank you for that. Nathan, thank you so, so much for being here today. This has been really, really interesting um, and it's been a pleasure. If people want to get hold of you or, or want to reach out or where, where can they, where can they find you? Uh, um, hi, uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> or not, I mean, you know. <laughs> yes, or not. LinkedIn and Google. Um, I'll be honest, most of my work is recommendation stuff that comes in and, and um, I'm very discreet. I'm operate, as you know yourself, I'm, I'm below the radar, hidden away. Um, I know, we're honoured to have him here tonight and I appreciate that. So, uh, but listen, it's been great. Thank you very much, Kate. I've enjoyed uh, having a chat chat with you. I haven't seen you for a long time, so... It's been great to, to say hi. No, thank you so much. Really, really great. And thank you guys for listening. And uh, we will see you all soon.